Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Tuning in, 347-838-9815 is the number for you to call. You want to talk anything in the world of professional wrestling, head on over to Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. If you want to participate right now in the show chat, each and every Monday evening during Monday Night Raw, we have a Raw chat going on uh, right there. So I uh, talk Raw on Monday nights. Again, that's Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show at The Ken Reedy Show. If you're a Twitter type, and you can head on over to the website, thekenreedyshow.com. We got blogs, we got info, and you can listen to the show right there. So check out the website. That's thekenreedyshow.com. Just let everyone know this is like the start. We're, we're almost there, but uh, we're going on a little vacation, so we're taking two shows off. I may be starting my vacation slightly early. <sighs> Having a, an adult beverage while doing the show tonight, but... This is the last show for just two episodes, taking a couple episodes off this Tuesday and next Sunday, going on vacation. So uh, check out some archive shows, thekenreedyshow.com. As always, I got my tag team partner on the line. We're going to talk some wrestling. Dave, how are you doing this fine Sunday evening? I'm and I've been unmuted again, I think. I just heard the... Am I, am I here? Can you hear me? You're, you're there. You're unmuted. Okay. All right. Good. Because, you know, these summer months, you know, the, the, the <laughs> gods of technology seem to have this thing against me, you know, but I'm here and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I just got, man, this week, can I tell you, I mean, it's it's interesting how, you know, vacation kind of coincided with things because things all of a sudden popped up this week. It was a crazy week this week. Uh just to let you guys know, and this week we booked this a, a little while ago. It's not wrestling related, but those of you who know me know that uh, uh, wrestling is uh, a passion. 
and we do the show every week. Uh, but I, you know, I got a lot of things going on, and uh, love music, and I got a couple bands uh, I'm involved with. Uh, my primary band, I guess, SRO Standing Room Only. We got called in to do a radio interview uh, this past week, and uh, we we're on there because we we're discussing. We've been booked to do a big concert in Colorado, August 17th. Uh, it's an anti-bullying show headlined by Vertical Horizon. And uh, we're really excited about that. It's a stadium show, so we're on the bill. Uh, if you're into the anti-bullying thing, you're into that cause, Stand Up, Speak Out is uh, the charity, so you can get involved uh, with them. And we're on the Gumbo Yaya radio program, so uh, check them out. They have a Facebook page. Uh, they have a website. It's Gumbo Yaya, uh, which is a, a Louisiana kind of uh, saying about getting together, uh, family and friends, and everyone talking at the same time. That's what uh, Gumbo Yaya is all about. But uh, cool guys, uh, cool to be on the radio for the first time. Heard our music played on on the radio, so it was kind of a a neat moment. So uh, we're doing that August seventeenth. So get out there. I just wanted to bring that up because get out there if you want to. Participate in the cause, donate to the charity, uh, stand up, speak out, so go check that out. Um, back to wrestling-related stuff, I went to the FWE show. Uh, thank you guys at FWE again, Family Wrestling Entertainment. They provided us with Chris Masters, who gave us a great interview this past Tuesday. Went to their show, uh, real good show, uh, had a lot of stars as well as uh, you know some independent guys, but a real fun Fun uh, show, uh, you know, got to thank them for letting me come in and, and check out the show. Uh, I got to say, you know, at that show, that was the last independent show. As far as I know, the last independent show that RVD, Rob Van Dam, will be doing before he joins the WWE. And uh, got to say, you know, you wonder, you hear the stories, uh, some criticism in TNA, uh, whether you're a fan or not of his work. Uh, some may say his work rate uh, kind of dipped a bit in TNA. Uh, he looked good. He looked real good on Friday night. Him versus Tommy Dreamer. Of course, the action spilled out into the stands. Uh, there were garbage, can garbage cans, foreign objects, people being thrown off bleachers. You know, your, your typical kind of thing if those two guys are getting together. But uh, I couldn't tell you, man, RVD just looked great. He looked uh, leaned out. Uh, slimmer, uh, he looked real good, so uh, excited to see what he's going to do in the WWE, but definitely looked like a much more uh, motivated uh, and focused RVD, so excited to see what he's going to be doing when he comes to the WWE, uh, and that was Friday night, Saturday night I trekked on out to Philadelphia to catch out, catch a House of Hardcore, HOH, uh, Tommy Dreamer's promotion, uh, those guys put on, again, a tremendous show. Tommy Dreamer, uh, he might be the best promoter in the business. Uh, phenomenal show. Uh, he was on the show a couple weeks ago promoting House of Hardcore. Thank thank you to him again for giving us some time. Uh, man, it was just, it, it was good stuff. It was good. I got to, you know, it's funny. I ran into Tommy Dreamer, and he's he actually remembered me. Uh, we had met one time before, and he's like, hey, man, you look different. You working out? Like, that's cool. Tommy Dreamer noticed that I've, I'm hitting the gym. So that kind of made my weekend. Uh, got to uh, finally, after interviewing him, got to meet Bill Apter, uh, which was really cool. He asked to interview me, which was uh, a big ego stroke. Uh, so, But all in all, it was a tremendous show. 
Uh, real good work uh, by everyone involved. They really should be proud of what they're doing over there at HOH. And at the end of the show, they did say that uh, there will be an HOH 3. So I can't stress enough, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you know, you like going out to live shows, uh, you know, if you can get to HOH, I highly recommend uh, getting a ticket. I've been to both HOH shows, and they really... They deliver on a, a great, great show, and, uh, you know, it should be really, really cool. So uh, you want to check that all out, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into everything, all the particulars. Two really great shows, a lot of wrestling uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, you know, a lot of talented stuff. But uh, if you want to get the, the nitty-gritty, all the little specifics and uh, all the stuff I learned uh, being uh, around and, and part of, like, both shows... Uh, I actually, you know, I, I don't do it often, but I kind of decided I had to jump back into the uh, the blogging thing because so, there was just so much that happened this weekend. So uh, go over to thekenreadyshow.com, check out my new blog on, on the 20 things I learned this weekend uh, by going to FWE and HOH. But both promotions, be proud of themselves, put on some real good shows. Saw a ton of wrestling this weekend, so it was good so if you're there and want to call in and talk about uh, your thoughts on both those shows, by all means, 347-838-9815. But to get into what we saw on TV this week, uh, you know, interesting stuff coming out of uh, the WWE. It seems like right now they are firing on all cylinders. Storylines are working. Guys are, are working. They're performing. Matches are kicking ass. And, uh, you know, we're going through our pre-show meeting and we're thinking, hey, there's so much to talk about on Tuesday and we didn't hit everything because everything was so good uh, this past Monday night. And one of the subjects we kind of, what we're miss about is kind of hitting uh, the former world champion, Dolph Ziggler, where they're going with him now. Uh, continuing the program with Del Rio, uh, using the concussion angle a, a bit. You know, it's interesting now, Ziggler, after... At best, a mediocre, pretty much, I mean, look, broken up by injury, I understand, but not a good title run. He's back to being the pursuer for the world title. Dave, what are your thoughts on everything surrounding Dolph Ziggler? Well, um, you know, our listeners know, you know, you know, I'm a big Dolph Ziggler fan for his, uh, for his in-ring work. I was disappointed at first when he lost the title. Um you know, when I watched the paper the other night last week, I was very disappointed they lost the title because I was like, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have enough time to get this run up off the ground. Granted, the injury took place. But then, you know, when they did the show, you know, when it, when Del Rio attacked Ziggler and they kept, you know, showing the replay and playing off, you know, the, the, the head injury with the concussion, I was like, okay, this kind of, all right, now I can see why they did it. It's not that bad. Um, you know, and Ziggler's gotten positive reactions due to his in-ring work and his style um, amongst, you know, uh, a, a large portion of the audience. So um, they did the famous double turn in the home of the double turn, Chicago, Illinois. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're capitalizing on a very important and uh, newsworthy topic in sports, uh, being that being concussions. Um, and seeing as that Dolph Ziggler had one recently, it makes sense all in the world to – to not center, but add, you know, that the concussion layer to this storyline with um, Alberto Del Rio. Um, and plus, Del Rio's storyline, you know, Del Rio's 
babyface run. It started off good and solid in the beginning. Um, it was working really well. They had a good good string of uh, you know uh, shows where he was um, you know heavily involved in the show in Latino large Latino markets. However, um, you know it didn't really seem to catch on. You know after WrestleMania, and then especially when he lost the title. Um, to Dolph Ziggler, and it made sense, too, in the terms of, you know, he capitalized on Ziggler being hurt, just like Ziggler did the same thing to him when he cashed in money in the bank. I'm very interested in seeing where it's going to go. The one thing that, you know, kind of came to my mind, too, was, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler, his in-ring work has pretty much gotten him over, um, for the most part, um, in his tenure in the WWE. And he really hasn't had a a rivalry that gets him over the hump and onto the next level that's really set himself apart. It's always been his in-ring work and, uh, you know, a good storyline and a good rivalry, a memorable one, um, really helps your career, especially if you are trying to um, make it to the next level. I think Dolph Ziggler and Del Rio could have that, and and, and Ziggler could eventually – I'm not saying he's not a main event guy now, but he's not heavily featured, but – being that his popularity is growing and they have turned him babyface, this this particular angle with Del Rio could eventually boost him up the ladder and he'd be a main event player for years to come, if not the rest of his career. His in ring work alone, to me, to me and to probably most fans, you know, solidifies that he is a main event player. But in some cases, a storyline and it just could give you that extra, and a rivalry could give you that extra, you know, oomph, you know, like. Austin had The Rock, and, you know, uh, Cena had Orton, and, you know, Hogan had Piper, and now Ziggler could have Del Rio, you know, kind of thing. I'm not saying that that this particular storyline could be, and rivalry could be on those levels, but, like, you know, the old adage, you know, the Batman needed Joker and vice versa. This could be, you know, something that Ziggler and, and Del Rio could play off really well and, and you know, Ziggler could eventually move up the ladder. But I, I like it. Uh, what I don't like is the rumors I've been hearing that they might give him the Money in the Bank briefcase and have him cash in against Del Rio, which I don't think really makes a whole lot of sense considering he still has an automatic rematch clause to face Del Rio. Um, but, I mean, that's something that, you know, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to figure out as, you know, the next couple of weeks go on heading into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's purely speculation, and I agree with you. I don't like it. I don't want to see, uh, you know, there are times, I mean, look, you know, you, you go through, we do this show, you criticize, you, you praise, sometimes, you know, the criticism's unfounded, sometimes you're, you're on the money. I mean, that's that's what we do. And there are times where we were kind of critical about, you know, Ziggler and how long he had that, that briefcase and how long it took him to cash in. Now, look. I'll be the first to admit I complained at times. I wanted to see him finally cash in. But you know what? When he finally did cash in, the payoff almost seemed worth the wait. Uh, You know, what they built up over time. And I'm a big enough man to admit that, all right, you know, maybe I was wrong in my criticism and uh, the wait was okay. Um, You know, right now it's almost like it's – it would just be too much. Like, oh, God, we're back to – Ziggler and waiting for Ziggler to cash in and and you know we're both big Ziggler fans. I don't I don't need to go back to that. And even if, you know, like you're saying, he's got a mandatory 
rematch clause. I mean, we all know that in, in the, the pro wrestling world, he's got his rematch. But the, the thing is, even if he doesn't have a rematch, and even if he loses his rematch, at this point, he still should remain in the world championship picture. Uh, you know, looking at the money in the bank, that's something that should be used to elevate someone to that main event, that championship picture. Ziggler's in it. He's there. Uh, I, I don't think he needs a briefcase, and I don't really want to see him uh, with the briefcase again. As much as, you know, it was definitely a big part of his character, I don't know if I really need to see him uh, running around with that briefcase again. I agree with you. That I, I, you know, I, a, a program, a substantial program, uh, is definitely something that needs, and every great is going to have that classic program that they run with someone. Uh, and he's got a classic nemesis right here. The interesting thing about this is kind of, the WWE talking out of both sides of their mouths. And in the grand scheme of things, again, it's wrestling. We know it's wrestling. We know it's scripted. So, But in the context of the wrestling world, it's supposed to be real life in there. You know, I mean, it's, it's scripted, but in there, in that world, it's supposed to, you know, be real. And you hear all this stuff that the WWE is kind of getting serious about the concussion thing. I mean, they're clamping down, clamping down. They're making sure that, the concussion thing doesn't get out of hand. They're, they're they're pulling people off TV and they're testing them and they're they're staying off TV for a while if they have a concussion. I mean, every sort of uh, cautionary step that they can take, they are taking right now as far as concussions, which is which is a good thing. However, it's interesting that in in talking about this and putting it out there that they're taking concussions seriously and 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 really like putting themselves as like uh, the leader as far as managing their athletes who uh, suffer from concussions, uh, the storyline is, is odd to me. As much as I'm enjoying the hatred and the, the, the heat and, and the real kind of you know, visceral feel you get between these two competitors, uh, you know, it's like if this was real, Ziggler would be out for like the next year, the amount of times he's he's taking blows to the head. I mean, every time he's in a physical confrontation with Del Rio, Del Rio's kicking him in the head again. So um, it, it's interesting to me that, that, all right, you know, so Del Rio got him again on, on SmackDown. I'm assuming we'll probably see Ziggler back on Monday night. Is he going to be cleared to compete? Is this going to be something that he's not going to be cleared to compete and they're going to you know, keep this working as far as the, the storyline goes. Because as far as having a concussion, if he just got over a concussion and then gets kicked in the head, uh, he probably has another one and would probably have to take some extended time off again. So it's kind of odd to me a little bit on how they're, they're taking concussions seriously, and yet they're, they're putting this spotlight uh, on this guy, continuing to take blows to the head and come back. So... Um, I'm curious to see where the storyline goes, where they're going to go with the concussions. I think it's very relevant, very timely using the concussions. I'm not sure. Like Maybe we need to, Ziggler to, to block a few more of these blows to the head so we're not seeing uh, him get kicked in the head at, at every given turn. Your thoughts on the concussions, Dave? Um, I, I, I understand and agree with your, where you're coming from. You know, he comes back and then he gets kicked in the head. I mean, I will say this though: they, they've been consistent in, you know, in terms of like the commentary and, and and keeping the viewer informed. You know, I remember watching SmackDown Friday, where during the Del Rio Jericho match, you know, when they mentioned Dolph Ziggler, when they showed the highlight of when he came out on Raw and attacked Del Rio, 
they had mentioned that Ziggler is cleared to return on Monday to, to active competition. Um, Michael Cole had mentioned that. Then, after the segment where Ziggler ran in and, uh, you know, he attacked Del Rio, he took a code breaker from Jericho, then eventually he took another kick to the head from Del Rio. Um, later on in the show, Michael Cole had mentioned that, uh, that they had spoken, you know, they had gotten word from trainers or doctors or whoever and said that Dolph Ziggler, um, it's uh, it's uncertain if he's now cleared to compete. They're running tests, blah, blah, blah. So they're they're being consistent with it in terms of, like, the the severity of the, the concussions and, you know, the, like, like you just said, real life, if he came back, like, you know, from a concussion, he gets hit. They're... Like I said, there's consistency in the commentary and, and keeping the viewer informed. Um, but, um, you know, it, like you said, it's timely that it's, gonna, it's happening with Ziggler uh, because he had a concussion. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how long it's going to go for because at some point he's going to have to get in the ring, um, you know, and, and, and get his payback on Del Rio. Uh, you know, no pun intended. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to get his payback on Del Rio. I mean, uh, how long are they going to keep him – from quote unquote in storyline terms competing, now that's 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 the real question. Are you going to milk this for a month um, and and have them make sporadic appearances on TV, or are you going to bite the bullet and actually have them have a match? And then that will be, you know, I could see them doing a storyline where they where they have them go to the doctors and say, you know, you know, I want to get back in there, and they tell them no. You know, and then they clear him, and then he has a match on Raw. Let's just, for argument's sake, against you know some random person, and he wins, and that kind of proves that he could get back to more active competition, so to speak. So it's almost like he's fighting his way to get back on the roster, um, and then being cleared to wrestle. Um, but I also think that the reason why that they keep doing, you know, the kick—I mean, it's only been one week—but the reason why they keep having Del Rio and you know guys like Jericho, you know giving him his quote-unquote headshots, so to speak, is because it's a sensitive subject considering he just had a concussion and the people are going to be, you know, more sympathetic that he just got hurt in the head again. And it also makes Del Rio look more vicious by kicking him in the head. They're really going full swing with this heel turn now that they did the double turn in Chicago last week. So I think they want to draw more heat on Del Rio. If he did have any babyface steam, he would lose it completely by, you know, attacking a man who has suffered severe head trauma. Um, so that's why I think that they've, they've gone there. But, We'll see what happens. You know, we got three weeks of Money in the Bank. Who knows if, if Dolph Ziggler is going to be a part of, you know, the Money in the Bank match or if he's going to be involved in a title match. Um, I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested in it. I like the I like the Dolph Ziggler, uh, you know, babyface turn. The one thing I'm interested in is how they're going to handle his association with AJ and Biggie Langston. Because if you noticed last week on, on both Raw and SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler was not in any segments with either of those two. He was he came out by himself. So I think that this is also, along with his feud with Del Rio, a slight transition of getting him away from those two. I don't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if we'll see a full turn, you know, or a full split up between the two. If you remember back in, you know, 1999, when Triple H and China were together, and China started going after the Intercontinental title, they never really had, like, a, a breakup. They just kind of split them apart without even really mentioning it, and then, you know, they both went their separate ways. We might see something like this. That wouldn't surprise me. But then again, 
considering the reaction that AJ had after the match on Sunday, we'll probably see some sort of friction and a turn somewhere down the road between Dolph Ziggler and her and possibly Biggie Langston. Yeah, maybe we have something where Biggie Langston either costs him uh hit rematch or if he's in the money in the bank match, uh you know, costs him uh the money in the bank match. But I I mean your thoughts on the briefcase though, Dave? I mean, do you I mean, is there any scenario that is enjoyable to him? I mean, look, he's Dolph Ziggler, so I, I get it. Like, he's going to be entertaining. I'm not I'm taking nothing away from him. But, uh, I mean, do you think that the, the pursuit, again, with the briefcase would just be a, a bit much, that happening all over again? Um, No. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to see him with the briefcase. The stories and rumors I've heard is that if he were to get the briefcase, he catches in at SummerSlam against Del Rio. So there's not that long of a wait. Um, I still don't. Even if he did get it, I don't. I still don't think it, it's. It, in my opinion, I wouldn't like to see that scenario. I wouldn't mind seeing if he tries to go after, you know, Del Rio, and they tell him no, you can't have a match with him. I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe Vince or you know one of the 45 general managers of Raw and SmackDown tell him that, you know, well, well, if you want an opportunity, we'll put you in the Money in the Bank ladder match. If you can survive a match like that, then we'll give you an opportunity at Dolph Ziggler. If you can win that match, you know, then you can get your, you can have your shot at Del Rio. I could see them kind of doing something like that where they might want to test his, you know, his, uh, his, his status, you know, head trauma-wise, being involved in a match like that. Then again, he just did get over a concussion. I don't know if you do want him involved in a ladder match with seven other guys. Uh, and like I said earlier, it's something that's to elevate somebody. And I think, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler, like you said, he's in the world title picture already. He doesn't need that briefcase. He doesn't need this to facilitate that storyline. Give it to somebody else who might need it, somebody who, who's, who's stuck somewhere right now and they're not sure what to do with. But giving them that briefcase it's an automatic storyline for however long you want it to to be until they cash in and, and uh, for the championship. So I don't like the idea. Um, no, let's let's not let's not go with Dolph Ziggler winning the Money in the Bank briefcase again. Yeah, I agree. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Crazy week of wrestling. Whatever you want to talk about, Raw, Impact, SmackDown, you're at one of the shows this past weekend, uh, give us a call, let's talk some wrestling, we're going to go right out to the phones right now, because we got we got lots of people on hold, thank you for tuning in, let's go right up, we'll get Tony on the line, Tony, are you there? Hey guys. How's going, buddy? Alright, so yeah, uh, yeah, just hearing about uh, what, you, you know, what to do with Dolph, yeah, I think if they, yeah, they, they, he's... I think he should get a you know, just give him a, a rematch for the title, you know, because I, I, I mean, you know, it's like having him in the Money in the Bank and then holding a brief the briefcase again for another, year, you know, uh, you know, I mean, that that happened already, you know, it happened a year ago, so we don't, you know, we don't need to see him walking around with it again. As far as what the the split with him and the AJ or whatever, I don't, know, you know, what they'll do there. Uh, she might say something like, "Oh, she wants the." You know, it's like she, she was hoping to be like the power couple, you know, like the both being the, having the champions, and then he went ahead and lost his belt, and then she just might just do, do, do some kind of do something heelish, and then have like Biggie do something. I, I don't know what they'll do. So, there, but um, you know, but but like I said, I mentioned too there. I did think the double turn was 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 really was really well uh, well done. I thought that I thought they did a 
they did a good job with that. And then um, last night, uh, Raw, I thought, I thought the Rio's uh, promo by the way of um, yeah, the Rio's promo was good. Um, you know, what I don't get is like on, on um, SmackDown why, you know, uh, during the after um, Jericho and uh, Del Rio. You know, it's like you know, Dolph runs in and causes Jericho to lose by DQ, and then it's like, and then like Jer- Jericho just <laughs> he, he, he lays out Ziggler. I was just like, I just didn't really. Uh, you know, it's like I think I'm gonna throw him in the title picture too. Or what are they? Are they gonna put him in the money money in the bank uh, world title match? Or what are they? What are they like there? I don't know. Well, don't know here, hold on, hold on, Tony. Let, let's from from let's pretend that you're Dolph Ziggler and I'm Chris Jericho. Okay. We'll role play here for a minute. Chris Jericho is facing the world heavyweight champion in a match. Nine times out of ten, if you're in a non-title match and you beat the world heavyweight champion, your stock rises and you're closer to getting a title shot. Dolph Ziggler costs him that title shot. Well, he gets mad and he code breaks Dolph Ziggler. You know, I mean, you know, one plus one equals two. You know what I mean? Like he's he, he's upset that. He uh, lost his opportunity because if he beat the Del Rio, then he's in the running for a title shot. You know how they always do that? The non-title matches, a guy beats a, a champion, and all of a sudden, well, he could be in the running for a title shot, and then they eventually go with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. I didn't, no. yeah, I didn't think of that. So, so okay, yeah, so yeah, I, I give it to me, yeah. So, uh, I didn't think of that because usually, you know, like, uh, yeah, as far as that stuff goes, yeah, I, yeah, I, like I said, I didn't think of that. So I don't know what the, like I said, are they going to do a rematch uh, with Jericho or uh, are they going to like do Jericho Dolph again now? Or, or what are they going to do? Like, I'm not, I don't know what they're going to do. Wrestling right now is, is it's it's weird with the, the information that's out there and the internet and, you know, those of us who are fans and, and are always like out there and researching and, and knowing and, you know, everyone knows that Jericho's leaving. You know, everyone knows that Fozzie's going on tour, and, uh, you know, Jericho's not going to be around much. So it's, I, I get what you're saying, Tony, that it's, there's, all right, some, they're going to feud with Jericho and, and Dolph, or or they're going to go with uh, Jericho and Del Rio, or we're going to go some sort of triple threat, at, you know, at some point. We all know that Jericho is, is leaving, so the suspense is not there really so you know it's weird like exactly are they going with Jericho it it makes sense in the moment like Dave is saying well you cost me my my potential shot uh so now I'm pissed and I'm going to give you the code breaker but we all know he's he's leaving soon so it doesn't doesn't loan itself to being like suspenseful Ooh, is he gonna you know go after the title and get the title Jericho's not getting the title because he's going to be gone so um yeah, I'm curious what they're going to do with this whole thing, but, uh, you know, whatever they're going to do is going to be a way to transition Jericho off the of TV for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know, whatever that may be. Well, here's a, here's, a, here's a point I could make real quick, is that every time that Jericho has taken sabbaticals from the company, he's always put somebody over. You know, last year he did it to Dolph. This year... You know, if you want to cement Del Rio as a, as a real major player, because let's face it, you know, he's had a couple of runs as champion, and they've been sort of lackluster, so to speak. He hasn't really had any both heel and baby face. You have Del Rio beat a guy like Jericho, who basically puts guys over, and it doesn't hurt him. 
you put Del Rio up there in, in, in status. You know, you can even have Del Rio keep that vicious side that he's been, you know, portraying towards Dolph Ziggler and maybe further this concussion storyline with Jericho and Del Rio for when Jericho comes back. You can have Del Rio take him out and write him off a TV like that, put put Del Rio over, and then you have a possible feud for when Jericho decides to come back and next next year during WrestleMania season. And then you could transition Del Rio over to Dolph Ziggler for the rest of the summer going into the fall. Yeah. That makes sense. I like it. Anything else strike you this week, uh, Tony? Uh, let's see. What happened? Um, damn, what was it? TNA was... Uh, I didn't think it was a bad show. I just thought like, the, like some of the stuff with the, you know, like the, stuff with, uh, with the Hogan's is, is getting a little hokey. Uh, a little, it's like... I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, like Bubba comes at him with the tire iron or whatever, and then he's just like, just so happens to see him, and he's like, hey, let's do this now, brother, or whatever. And I don't know. I, even, even, you know, like, that whole thing, you know, that and the, and the McMahon family thing, you know, it's like the, the, the family uh, soap opera drama stuff, I just think is, like, really, you know, because even, like, with the, with the, you know, what's happening with Vince, uh, Stephanie, and Triple H are all, like, you know, telling Vicky, you know, it's like, oh, hey, listen, don't listen to this one, listen to me, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And, it's, and, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, why, why have the GM? Why even have the freaking GMs if you got, you know, the McMahons running the show on the, you know, being on, being the on-air, uh, you know, whatever you want to, you know, running the show or whatever. You know, it's like, the whole thing with, like, Vicky and uh, whatever, you know, it's, it's getting kind of, it's getting kind of weird, you know, it's like, getting kind of, getting kind of pull up, uh, Stale, actually. I mean, it's like kind of curious. I agree with you. Some of the stuff is is dragging, but there's uh, at least I'm curious where to go. Right now, when it comes to TNA, I I just I kind of need a resolution. It's it's been dragged on for a while. Uh, You know, when you when you had the uh, the bully Ray thing, I I still love you. I still love you. Uh, You know you. That. You know, Brooke Hogan is going to be uh, Bully Ray's old lady, and uh, she's going to be part of Ace and Eights with him. That that's kind of what seems could happen. Um, I need it to happen, right? I, like I, I just need either they need to completely get divorced, or she needs to join Ace and Eights. But the storyline continues to be dragged on, and it's just kind of. I, I need resolution. So I agree with you, Tony. I, I think to a certain extent, both family dramas are kind of uh, lackluster, but but for different reasons. Uh, the McMahons, at least, I'm still curious where that resolution might be. So I, I think with that, as much as there have been some of those segments that have been uh, somewhat, I'm still where it's going to go. As far as TNA, I just need there, there to be some sort of resolution because it's just uh, it's dragging on. But it is interesting, you know, when you look at the two companies and how they they mirror each other a bit, and they got some family drama going on 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 both uh, in both companies. So who knows where they're going to go? You guys out there, you want to check out a great blog? I know in the beginning of the show I, I announced that uh, I got a new blog up there, but Tony is the best blogger in the biz, and. Uh, Blogs on Raw, Impact, and SmackDown each and every week. Head on over to thekenreedyshow.com. Check out Tony's blogs. Tony, thanks a lot for the call. And, uh, well, not this Tuesday, but a week from Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. Yeah, no, well, yeah I'll, be, I'll be 31 by then. It's my practice Wednesday.
Oh, nice. Well, happy birthday. Have a great birthday. Thanks a lot. Ladies, thanks a lot for giving us a buzz. Oh, bro. Take it easy. Good. He brought up, uh, you know, impact, and he, you know, it's, it's. I mean, we try to be equal with stuff, but he said, you know, there's not a, wasn't a lot for him to talk about, uh, you know, the the Hogan drama. I, I, for me, I feel like it, it kind of needs to end. Uh, the one thing that I guess we got at impact this week was a uh, uh, new member, or I guess the first member for Sting to a uh, name to a, uh, the main event Mafia, Kurt Angle. Which, uh, you know, makes sense on one level that he's hated Ace and Eights uh, for quite some time and is looking for retribution. So for him to join a group that he used to be a member of uh, to, to get retribution makes sense. But on the flip side, when you had Sting's monologue, Sting uh, kind of called out the locker room for not supporting him, for, you know, putting the message out there that he has to fight on his own. Kurt Angle would have been part of that locker room that deserted him, and now he's bringing him into the fold. So, on one hand, fan, if I can let that go, uh, and Kurt Angle, together, I like Sting without the makeup and, and that whole version of the Sting character. I I, I like that. Uh, I have to get past that because to me, as far as the storytelling goes, uh, the, the the people he was pissed off at was the locker room and Kurt Angle would have been part of that. He's the first member of the main event mafia. Your your thoughts on the 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 family drama and then the formation of the main event mafia, Dave? Well as far as the family drama with the the, the Hogan's go, I, I completely agree with you one hundred percent. There needs to be a resolution. They've kind of dragged this out a little too long. Um, you know, it's it's stating the obvious that you know, I mean, I've never been married so I don't know how divorce proceedings go. Um, I, I can't, but I can imagine if you don't want to be married to somebody, you would do your best to make sure it takes place as quickly as possible. Um, you know, so that right there is an indication to me, at least, that uh, you know Brooke Hogan is is going to be a part of that group and be the old lady of the of the motorcycle club. Um, and the other thing too is that you know they 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 try to like. I mean, they put a lot of her on that show, and I'm not I'm not a Brooke Hogan hater. She's you know she's a decent looking girl, but she's not she's she's not an actor or an actress, I should say. She doesn't really she, she can cry really well, but like at the same time, like they try to portray her as like a woman, and she's got power, and she's over the you know she's the she's the figurehead for the knockout division. Yet you know she 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 gets scolded like she's 12 years old by Hulk. And, you know, it makes her look stupid. And then they have her come out on TV in the, the state of the knockouts division, which I thought was a horrible segment to begin with. Like, she talked about how proud she was of Velvet Sky. It would have been like, you know, if I were Velvet Sky, I would have been like, what makes you so proud of me? You have no in-ring experience whatsoever. Like, how could you even, you know, t- you know, talk about how proud you are of how far I've come because you've never even been in the ring before, um, which I, I – I, I thought that was kind of interesting. The only thing that made that segment worthwhile was Eric Young, um, you know, <laughs> revealing to the whole world that he's not a woman, which was, you know, it was pretty funny. Um, which kind of basically helped that segment because I thought that thing kind of dragged. Um, but, yeah, there needs to be a resolution with that. I, it's getting old for me. Um, and it, 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 It's going to be the obvious, so I'll be okay with that. Um, 
And as far as the main event mafia goes, I mean, it makes sense because Kurt Angle was a part of the old group at the same time, though. Like you said, he called out the whole locker room about deserting him. So why would you even why would you even pick the locker room, anybody in that locker room, to be a part of your group to take on the Aces and Eights if you're if, if they deserted you? I, I don't understand that. Um, you know, they, they got to come up with a good excuse and not you know. And I don't want to hear an excuse that, you know, Kurt Angle was using the bathroom when that took place. He didn't see it happen, you know, kind of thing. And then Sting's going to need to come up with a good excuse as to why Kurt Angle joined, too. Um, so time will tell. I hear there's supposed to be more, a few more guys joining that group. Obviously, they'll be from the roster. Um, I'll be surprised if they're not. Like, you know, we talked about um, Jeff Jarrett possibly, you know, being a part of that group, which would make sense because he'd be the only person who wasn't on the active roster. Um, that, that, you know, that could slot into that position. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't, you know what? With with the whole Aces and H thing and, the, and, and, and their war against TNA, like, I'd like to see some of the younger guys, you know, lead the charge against them. You know, the guys like the, the Jeff Hardys and the AJ Styles and, you know, the Samoa Joes and, and the Bobby Roods and stuff like that. Not these guys that are like, you know, and, and there's no disrespect to, like, Sting, you know. Like, he's, he's a talented, you know, performer, you know, but he's also up there in age, too. And I just don't see, like, people complain that, like, oh, TNA's not at that level of WWE. Well, if you keep using the same guys over and over and over again who have been in this business for, you know, 20-some-odd years, 30 years, you know, it, it's going to get tiring at some point. I think I – think, I think Sting, at this stage in his career, yes, he's popular with the TNA audience, but, you know, granted, he's not in the world title picture anymore, but he should be used to elevate younger talent. And the younger talent should be spotlighted more. And they got talent that are over. I just don't understand why they, like, they take guys like James Storm, they put him in a tag team now. James Storm is one of the most popular guys on that roster, you know, uh, Jeff Hardy, what's he doing now? You know, he's in the Bound for Glory series. You know, Samoa Joe, what's he doing now? He had a time limit draw with AJ on, uh, on on Thursday night. But like, some of these guys, like they should be more involved in the in the indie top storyline. And and Hogan and Sting leading the charge, defending you know TNA against the Aces and Eights. Like, the Aces and Eights should crush them because they're both older guys. They don't, like, especially Hogan. It pains me to watch Hogan even walk to the ring. You know, and yet he's he's supposed to be you know big bad Hulk Hogan, you know fighting off the 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 aces and eights and his and his bad boy son-in-law. I mean, I just I don't know. I'm not I'm not really a big fan of it. it it's like they're going backwards with this with this main event mafia thing. Um, you know, Kurt Angle's still a phenomenal athlete. I don't mind him being a part of the group. At the same time, come up with a good excuse as to why a active member of the roster that you called out you know, is a part of your group now. That's just my opinion. It's one of those things that you would think that, you know, I mean, I talked to, you know, as, as you, you, you continue to learn about the business and learn about storylines and writing and stuff and meeting people and talking about stuff. And uh, I wish I could remember who said this to me, but it was an interesting point. And he said, you know, when you write a storyline, you have to write it backwards. And, and you write the resolution and then you backtrack on how you're going to get there. So at least you have a, a focus as to where you're going to go. Um, 
you know, it seems like sometimes with TNA that they, they really, you know, they don't have that that focus as to exactly where they want to go. And and it's little things like did I mean, did the main event mafia thing come out of nowhere? I mean, one little scene, you know, you, you could have had Kurt Angle dead from a beatdown in the back, like you know, during the main event at the pay per view. And that explains, like, why Kurt Angle was not able to come out and help. Bam, done. Explanation. And we're not questioning Kurt Angle uh, being able to join. Uh, even if they, even if he wasn't unconscious, we saw, like, him just getting beat down by the ace and eights in the back. Then, they, they, it, all right, we get it now. We know why he's, he's not coming out and being, uh, you know, helping Sting out when he gets uh, double, triple, quadruple teamed uh, during his match. So... There are little things they could have done which just would have made it make sense, and they did. So it's, you know, it's are, are they just flying by the seat of their pants? Are they writing just episode by episode and hoping that uh, somewhere along the line they make sure that there's at least some continuity? Uh, I don't know. And again, you know, maybe I'm being a little too nitpicky, and maybe I'm just going to have to let that go and just enjoy the main event mafia reforming and enjoy the entertainment, but... uh I don't know. The storytelling just uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. You want to talk TNA Impact? You want to talk WWE? You want to talk some live wrestling you may have seen this weekend? Whatever you want to talk about. We're gonna go back out to the phones. We got Mr. Trivia on the line. Mr. Trivia, how you doing tonight? Hey guys, how are you? Doing all right. How, how are we you? doing? Ah, not too bad. Uh, a couple of points. Uh, Ken, I guess you mentioned something that you went to see uh, FWE this past weekend, and uh, I understand that Matt Stryker has been signed by FWE. He was. He, uh, uh, it, was it was good to see him. He looked good. He cut a, a promo to start the show where he, uh, he kind of thanked the WWE, but then uh, kind of cut a bit of a scathing promo, uh, kind of shooted a little bit on them, uh, Kind of said, "Hey, I'm gonna go go on the commentating table, and guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call the match. I'm gonna name the moves. I'm not gonna tell stories. And and if it's all right with you, damn it, I'm gonna say the word wrestling. So yeah, yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. He, look, I mean, you never know. It could have been purely for for promo sake for the crowd. Uh, for me being there, it seemed like he was uh, genuinely." Pissed, uh, not happy, <laughs> would be, but he was. It just didn't seem like he was pleased with the WWE. And and you know what? For all intents and purposes, I, I loved him as a commentator. I really thought Matt Stryker was a great commentator, uh, better than anybody they have doing commentating now. And and I think they missed the boat. I think they had someone who has a real gift for calling a wrestling match and. Uh, for whatever reason, they, uh, I don't know, it seems philosophically in, in the WWE, they, they want a certain type of commentator. I, I always thought Stryker was great. It's a shame that he's he didn't get more of a chance to be a commentator there. But, uh, you know, if he's doing FWE, I, I think he's available for booking. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see him doing commentating on a, a regular basis in other promotions. Yeah, nice. Kind of like uh, Joey Styles' rant on the WWE a few years back. Yeah. Um, another thing too is on uh, Monday night, the uh, Brock Lesnar CM Punk uh, thing was going on. I think that's going to turn out to be a great match, great feud um, with this Paul Heyman deal. I think uh, 
you know, you're going to see something happen again tomorrow night as far as those two go. And, uh, Dave, let me get your opinion on something. I know, like I said, you're a big Dolph Ziggler fan, and you kind of got me on the Dolph Ziggler bandwagon and everything. And uh, do you see if Dolph Ziggler doesn't get the title back from Del Rio, do you see him possibly challenging John Cena? And the reason I'm saying that is because, in my opinion, I could be wrong, correct me if I am, but in my opinion, I think Cena is running out of challengers. I mean, how many times can you put... How many times can you put him against Ryback? How many times can you put him against this one? How many times can you put him against that one? And I'd like to get your take on that, if I could. Well, if Dolph Ziggler doesn't win the world title, um, I think he'll still be in the picture with Del Rio for the time being, um, for the foreseeable future, the next few months or so. I mean, it's possible he could face John Cena. Um, You know, anything's possible at this point. Um, You know, Mark Mark Henry fooled us all on Monday night, and you know, with the uh, with the, the fake retirement speech. But I mean, Cena's got Mark Henry right now, um, heading into Money in the Bank. It's possible they could do something with those two at SummerSlam. So that's possibly another, you know you got some legs to, with, with with Cena and Mark Henry. The rumor is is that they want Daniel Bryan and John Cena at SummerSlam, or Daniel Bryan versus the winner of that title match at SummerSlam, because Daniel Bryan's been you know, on fire right now. So Cena's got some new challengers, you know, with it for the next few months at least, you know, going into the, you know, the rest of the summer, you know, with July and August, and, you know, maybe even moving forward into the fall. So, um, you know, I, I do understand where you're, what you're saying is that, you know, there are some, some times where Cena is running out of guys. Um, but I think that they're making a, a conscious effort now to make sure that something like that doesn't happen, um, you know, with the Mark Henry thing, you know, Daniel Bryan. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Dolph Ziggler um, were to challenge him. I'm not saying it would happen soon, but at the same time, you'd also have to have Dolph as a heel because there's no way they're turning John Cena heel, obviously. And um, they got plans for Dolph um, going forward, and it's with this stuff with Del Rio. So I don't see it happening right now, but, you know, anything's possible. They could throw a, a you know, a, a, a monkey wrench into the situation and, uh, you know, swerve us all. But right now, not going to happen. Right. And with the third match coming up tomorrow night on Raw, uh, who do you think is uh, is ripe for the heel turn, Ryan or Randy Orton? Uh, I think Randy Orton is. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did turn Brian. Um, I heard a rumor, too, recently that um, – there's talk of bringing in Shawn Michaels into the Daniel Bryan storyline because Daniel Bryan was trained by Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels broke him into the business. When Shawn was retired for those four years, he ran a wrestling school in Texas, and Bryan was one of his students. Uh, and uh, there's talk of having Shawn Michaels get involved somehow with Daniel Bryan and almost not necessarily being a mentor or like a coach, but almost kind of like – trying to get him out of this funk of being the weak link, so to speak. Um, and he's so on fire right now. The people love him. He's hot. You know, I don't – I mean, it would be it, it would be cool if he did turn um, because, you know, then you would get some monster heat on him. But they got a lot of heels on the show right now, and I don't think, uh, you know, turning Daniel Bryan heel would be smart considering how popular he is amongst the entire WWE audience, whereas Randy Orton – 
his popularity kind of comes and goes depending on where they have their shows. Um, and I think I think it's time Orton needs a change too as well. Um, and I think I think we'll see that. I, it's possible we can see it Monday. I don't know if we'll see a full turn. They they there have been plenty of chances they could have done it. Maybe we'll, maybe it'll surprise us and we'll see it Monday. I don't know. Maybe yep. Well, one other quick uh, quick note, guys. Uh, Ken, I'd like to get your input on this too as well. Um, what? Uh, where do you think they're going to end up going with uh, RVD? Do you think that they're going to possibly have him win Money in the Bank? Who does it look like he's going to feud with? You know, your thoughts on that? That's an excellent question, and we, we were talking before the show. I mean, we were saying, you know, with with uh, you know Christian coming back and RVD, you know. I mean, the WWE is in a good place right now. They're running well. Storylines are working. Matches are good. Good young talent, uh, you know, mixed in with uh, the veteran talent. I mean, things are working. And now they have guys like RVD and Christian uh, back or coming back that, uh, you know, where exactly do you fit these guys in? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, what I would like to see. I would love to see him turn heel and and be a Paul Heyman guy. Um, I have this. Uh, I would love for them to set up a dynamic where they have a uh, a paranoid uh, CM Punk where he, he doesn't know who to trust. I would love to see a situation where RVD comes back and maybe comes down and shakes hands with CM Punk and then uh, proceeds to jump in the air and give him a spinning kick to the head and. Uh, yeah, guy uh something like that and maybe we have a you know as i mean to me i i would guess that we're going to see at SummerSlam. uh we'll see brock versus punk that's my guess uh so you you might need to do some some other things between the Heyman family and uh cm punk leading up to uh summer so maybe we th- we do something uh a short-term thing with uh punk and rv hey guys Yep, great. I gotta go. You know, guys, it's great talking to you, Ken. Enjoy your vacation, and Thanks. we'll talk to you again when you come back. Thanks for giving us a All call. All right, guys, take care. Uh, it sounded like Mr. Trudy got in trouble or something. That was really abrupt. I uh, hope he's not getting fired or anything. But uh, back to that. Um, yeah, it's weird with Dave with uh, everything going well. You know, when things are going poorly, you look for them to. Bring back someone, uh, you know, someone to spruce things up, to, to add some life. Uh, things are, are running really well in the WWE, so it's where do you slot in these guys, uh, these veterans uh, that are coming back? As I said earlier at FWE, that uh, RVD looks great. So I, I think we, we will have a re-energized, refocused, uh, exciting RVD. Uh, so I do look forward to him being in the fold and in the matches uh, he can pull off. For me, I've never been sold on him as a talker. Uh, him turning heel and, and being with Heyman and Heyman doing most of the uh, the uh, mouth work there, uh, to me, would, would work well for RVD. So that's what I'd like to see. Uh, my thought is that they probably won't turn him heel, but I do wonder where exactly... They're going to slot him in. I don't think they'll have him win Money in the Bank, but who knows? Your thought on, on RVD's return, Dave? It's pretty cool, you know. Um, I'm not a huge RVD fan, but, you know, I like his work. And, you know, you, know, you said he's not the – you know, weren't so keen on him being a talker. He was never really a talker to begin with. His, his, his gimmick was that he was, you know, 
the whole effing show. Like he was, the, you know, he 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 delivered in the ring. You know, his his in ring work was what really got him over. Um, you know, and uh, it wasn't the airbrush tights, by the way. But uh, he uh, they could do a lot of things with him. I like the idea. It'd be pretty cool if he were to turn heel and join Paul Heyman. Um, but he's so popular right now that I don't think that, you know, he's going to get a big pop when he returns. So aligning him with Paul Heyman is not really the, the smartest move. As you can tell, Punk came back in his hometown, got a pretty big pop. Granted, Heyman was by his side, but now there, there's a shift between the two of them. You know, Punk's going to go one way, Heyman's going to go the other eventually, as we, and we'll get into that later. But, um, I don't know if RVD will be in a Money in the Bank ladder match. And the only reason why I say that, I think I mentioned it on Tuesday, was having him in that match, especially being in Philadelphia, RVD's really super over in the Philadelphia market, you know, from the old ECW days, is that it will take away, I think, having RVD in that match with seven other guys. I mean, he'll be the overwhelming favorite. He'll he'll add a lot of excitement and athleticism to the match because that match is right up his alley. It wouldn't surprise me if they put him in, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they got other plans for him. I think those other plans could possibly be a run with Curtis Axel, considering that he's a Paul Heyman guy, and RVD has ties to Paul Heyman. However, they're saying that RVD's returning at Money in the Bank, so you got to set something up pretty quickly, um, you know, within the next three weeks for Money in the Bank. So maybe he will be involved in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I mean, I don't know. Um, but Axel's around for a while. From what I hear, RVD's deal is short-term. He's only working select live events, pay-per-views, and, and, and TVs. So um, he's not going to be around for a whole lot. Um, I don't know how what short-term means in, in, the, in the contract, but uh, I just figure maybe it's probably about like six months or something like that. Um, but there's a lot of different ways they can go with him. Um, but overall, he'll add some fresh matchups to the product. You can put him in there with a load of guys. We've talked about it, you know, with CM Punk. He work Curtis Axel. He can work with Wade Barrett. He can work with The Shield. Uh, you know, do something with him and Daniel Bryan, maybe. You know, even some other matches, older matches, you know, like with maybe Randy Orton or John Cena. Uh, you know, who knows? There's a, there's countless possibilities, and that's what's cool about it. We're bringing a guy like him in. You know, you got a fresh matchup wherever you go because RVD has been out of the WWE for so long. Um, so I'll, it'll be interesting to see where they, what direction they put him in. Um, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something a lot. Better. From what I understand, they have a storyline in place for him. They've already got something set up. So um, I'm assuming it's you know a one-on-one feud with somebody. Um, maybe they give him his own match at Money in the Bank. Maybe they maybe maybe we'll see tomorrow night. You know, maybe somebody will challenge him. And that will be the match at Money in the Bank. Who knows? But endless possibilities with RVD in the WWE, in my opinion. I mean, if they keep him, and you're right. I mean, I don't anticipate. I'd love to see him turn heel, just see something different. But I anticipate him coming in his face. But it would be interesting, you know, when you saw the Shield uh, on SmackDown beat down Christian, uh, you know, and with the whole Heyman thing, you know, Axel and uh, RVD, you know, I wouldn't mind necessarily seeing Christian pursuing the U.S. title from Dean Ambrose and RVD coming in pursuing the IC title uh, from Curtis Axel. I think that that would be something, bringing these two veterans guys, guys, these two guys that have been to the top of the mountain, uh, these two guys that are real popular, those are two guys that can 
really help. And we, we talked a lot on the show about bringing back prestige to the, the other belts. And, and we've seen it slowly move in that direction, but slowly. Uh, these are teams that come back. If they're pursuing those two belts, uh, it, it kind of ups the ante as far as the prestige level of those two belts. So, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, I, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing that, mind seeing those two guys coming back, not as main eventers, but as mid-carders, beefing up that mid-card, going after those secondary belts uh, to beef up the prestige. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. This is the Kendry Show. We are talking wrestling. It's the best in pro wrestling talk. we got a bunch of you on hold, waiting patiently, and I thank you guys so much for tuning in. About ready for break, so I promise you as soon as we get through the break, uh, I'm going to go right back out to the phones and get you guys on, talking about whatever you want in the world of pro wrestling. But without further ado, we're going to head out to Mr. Dave, who's going to give us the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Day 5 News Report, only heard at the top of the hour every Sunday night here on the Ken Reedy Show. To start off our news week, I have a follow-up story from, I'd say, about a month ago. TNA star Zima Ion had set up a fundraiser account online to assist in medical bills after undergoing emergency surgery for appendicitis. I can never say that word properly. God damn it. The fundraiser ended on Thursday with Ion only raising a fourth of the $30,000 she was looking for by raising $6,648. Ion will require further surgery to remove a tumor on his colon. And our second story this week, Linda and Vince McMahon. Now, by the way, this isn't a story about Linda McMahon running for Senate for any of you, you know, wrestling fans out there that are, you know, uh, awaiting a new PG era again. Uh, through the Vince and Linda McMahon Family Foundation, recently awarded Stamford, Connecticut's Palace Theater a $25,000 grant, a grant to benefit the it's arts and educational programs. And you people say those McMahons are bad people. Shame on you. Contactmusic.com reports that former WWE champion The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, recently sold his mansion in Miami for $3 million, but had to accept $500,000 less than the asking price. The Rock also sold his Beverly Hills estate in California for $4.9 million, which came with a private barber shop and a spa. That's very posh. The Wrestling Observer and other wrestling media outlets this week reported that Colt Cabana received two tryouts as a commentator for the WWE, one last year and one as recent as February. Some reports state that CM Punk got him the tryouts when, in fact, the WWE reached out to Cabana on their own after seeing his work on the CM Punk DVD that came out late last year. And our fifth and final story this evening, WWE head writer David Kreitzman, who is slated to finish up with the company this week, will be sticking around to the fall to help the company find a replacement and close out the directions of storylines. WWE has already posted listings for the replacement earlier this month. The listing is looking for both Raw and SmackDown lead writers. Guys, Stanford, if you're listening, you don't need to do that. I'm here. You just call in, 347-838-9815. We can do a verbal job interview live here on the air. I, I'm t 
trust me, it, it'll it'll work. Wrestling on Fire, Friday night, me TV at 11 p.m., our own Ken Reedy along with Ray Ray Mars. Call the action. Check them out. And Fantasy Sports has basically been a new wave to watch professional sports, whether it be football, baseball, basketball. Well, now wrestling is going in that same direction. Check out RealFantasyWrestling.com. Some of our listeners here at the Ken Reedy Show, as well as Ken and myself and the rest of the TKRS gang, we're all involved in the Real Fantasy Wrestling Fund. It's a new way to watch Monday Night Raw and the rest of WWE television. Check them out, realfantasywrestling.com. And The Gun Show, Season 9, YouTube slash The Gun Show Web TV. It's a pretty crazy show. I know I talk about it a lot. They got this guy with, you know, a, a luchador mask named El Rotundo. Steve Off, who's been on this show before, he's on there, as well as the crazy Bob Arian. Check them out. The Gun Show, Web TV slash YouTube. And there you have it, my friends. That was the Day 5 News Report, only heard at the top of the hour, every Sunday night, here on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Good stuff, good stuff, Dave. Thanks for the news report. And let's go right back out to the phones. we got some people who have been holding very patiently. And right now we got Dank on the line. Dank, are you there? Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing all right. How are you this fine Sunday evening? I am doing good, well-rested, and uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you guys since, well, Monday night. And uh, unfortunately, when you guys have your Tuesday show, I have class, so I have to go all week waiting and waiting and waiting, and here we are. So, first, I'm going to go on a limb. And I'm going to think, and I'm going to say that I believe Dolph Ziggler is going to win the championship back. And I'd like to see Biggie Langston win Money in the Bank and turn on Dolph when he tries to cash it in to win the belt. What do you guys think of that? I wouldn't bet on it. To be honest, with you, I wouldn't bet on it. But I wouldn't, if it were to happen, I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain. That would work, and that would be a, you know, a simple kind of create that. And then, uh, you know, you could have some suspense involved in, uh, you know, which which side is AJ going to fall on? Is she going to stick with her man Zig, or is she going to uh, go to the the dark side? No pun intended with Biggie Langston. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I again, I, I think it, it could work. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. What do you think, Dave? Um, I agree. It could work. I don't see it happening. The only way I do see it happening is if they were having big plans for, you know, pun intended, Big E. Langston to turn babyface, which there, which there <laughs> were, and if, and if Dolph Ziggler were going to stay a heel. Uh, I just don't think that works right. I just, I just don't think... If you were to cash in on Dolph and win it, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't work better. Roles work first, so to speak. Um, so that that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, main main point for the phone call is um, other than I'm really looking forward to RVD coming back, being a fan from back in the day. Um, Mark Henry. I believe, and, and, and the show itself on Monday, I would put it as one of the best 
Raw shows so far this year, I would I would say. And I would put it top ten overall. It just it everything seemed to click. Uh it seemed to not it did not feel like three hours and it felt like when it maybe they were done with surprises, here comes another one. You know, with the whole Mark Henry, which will probably be talked about for a while in in you know, in the corridors of WWE on how he fooled everyone and people were thinking, Okay, that's gonna be like the big thing for tonight. The big Mark Henry's going after Cena now. And how did they end the show? They end the show with bringing out Brock Lesnar. Like, I I loved the show. I would definitely put it number one show of the year. But Mark Henry, the Mark Henry skit, I, I, as I, as far as I, I don't know if you want to put it as like iconic moments, but where, if you were to place it on a, on a top 10 of OMG moments or did not see that moment coming, where would, where would it, where, where would it be? It's you know it's funny it's so difficult especially when you're in the moment to to put things in historical context. Um, but when we we talked on uh, Tuesday about it, it was one of those moments that you know we talk about wrestling promos and people debate promos and you have your Ric Flairs and your Dusty Rhodes and The Rock and all these guys that you know who cuts a great promo and what's a great promo what's the all time best promo. It, it, it's interesting because you almost like you can't even call it a promo mark henry was acting and that was a monologue or a soliloquy i mean that was that was classic drama and and i do think as you remove yourself and and you start to get objective about what mark henry did that night um to me i don't think it's an exaggeration saying it's one of the greatest promos in history i mean when he busted out the tears um no, he just he brought the the crowd and the viewers on an emotional journey, uh, swerved us all in the end. Uh, it just it, it was a phenomenal job, uh, and it was part of you know, and and not enough can be said to to do to to have the best moment on one of the best raws uh, in recent memory. Um, you know, it might be if not the best, it's pretty close being damn near the best raw since they've gone to three hours. Um, and Mark Henry was the best moment on the best Raw. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, again, tough, and you have to look back on, on some historical promos, but I, I would say, you know, it's it's right there uh, with, with uh, you know, other all-time great promos, Dave. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, for, well, I will say this. I mean, it was great. It got everybody. And I'll stand by it that it got a lot of people. Some of you may think that you didn't, you know, get got by Mark Henry, but you did. Um, I, w- I would say it's the, I would agree it's the be- it was probably the best Raw since they've gone three hours. The, I mean, top to bottom, there was unpredictability. It went by smooth. There was excitement, you know, twists and turns. Best Raw. And from what I read, from what I understand, it was a complete rewrite, um, as opposed to what the they originally had planned, 
um, early Monday, Vince McMahon had consulted both Paul Heyman and Zeb Coulter to uh, help him rewrite the entire show um, with no involvement from anyone else from the writing team. So, uh, you know, that's an interesting uh, tidbit there that, uh, you know, could get some people talking, of course, in, in, in some circles about, you know, the future of the writing for the WWE and maybe these two guys possibly being, you know, a part of that. Um, the Henry thing was probably, to me, you know, the, each year there's always like something big in the WWE taking place. And last year we didn't really, I mean, last year we didn't really get anything too like major, but this to me was like along the lines of like the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. Like we always say that like, there's always a launching point to get you to SummerSlam with storylines, and this one was it right here as far as, you know, like top storylines go. And and Mark Henry, the, the, the Mark Henry angle that they did, the promo or, the, like you said, the monologue, I don't know where to rank it because there's so many good ones. So I really can't say where I'd rank it. It was damn good. You know, the crying, I mean, he got everybody, myself included. Um, but it was it was damn good to watch. Um and I, I really don't know where to put it, you know, amongst all-time greats. I put it in a top 25 segment of all-time great moments of Raw, I'll tell you that. Because it was, it was definitely really good. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I can count on the tip of my fingers how many times I've sat there knowing how scripted Raw is and actually get caught in the moment of the promo or whoever is saying what, like, when Edge retired... Like, I was on the edge of my seat, no pun intended, but I was like, please tell me this is not real. Please tell me that Edge is not retiring. This is this has got to be a joke. The other one that really got me because not only did it have, like, an effect on the, all the American people, but it almost felt like when the wrestlers perform, they're on a stage. You know, obviously, they're, on a, they're in the ring. But last year or two years ago, whenever it was, when the news broke – that Osama bin Laden had been shot and killed. And it was John Cena that after he was done with his match, stood on the announcer table and just said, we got him. And we, he went on and just, you know, said what happened. It's like, it's like he broke that fourth wall that it's almost like you should never break it. And he was, he was no longer an entertainer. He was no longer a professional wrestler. He was one of us. He was one, somebody that was just telling us the big news, but he was still, for, for, for a moment, we all felt like one. He was not on a pedestal. He was not put on any other different level, but he was just like, I'm one of you right now. It doesn't matter what I do for a living. The one thing that we've all strived to get has finally happened. And to me, it was one other moment where I'm just like, it's almost surreal. And Mark Henry, to some degree, was, was like that. Mark Henry was like, when he started crying, you see like this big, huge guy that seems like he's more, he's got less emotions than Brock Lesnar, all of a sudden have tears come down. You're like, you can't help it. You're like, what the, what the hell? No. He's an artist. He's an artist. You know? but he's, he's good at what he did. And, you know, I hope that they keep going the way that they go and that, you know, they, like Ken said, they're running, you know, and firing all cylinders. Let's hope they keep on going. And uh, 
see how they lead up to SummerSlam. But anyway, you guys have a good holiday. Have a good 4th of July. Be safe. I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Take it easy. Thanks for giving us a call, Dank. No problem. And it's interesting. We're talking about Monday Night Raw, and when we talk about guys like Heyman and Coulter getting involved with uh, the writing, I mean, you know, you'd like to to think and hope uh, that Monday Night Raw was uh, not an exception, but comes close to the, the rule. I mean, look, you can't fire on all cylinders 100% of the times. I mean, I know that. But uh, if they can kind of get damn near close to what they did this past Monday night and Paul Heyman and Zeb Coulter are uh, the culprits, then keep those guys involved with creative and let's keep this thing going because that was a that was a real fun night to be a wrestling fan. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough positive things. And uh, I want Heyman and Coulter on board full-time in the creative team, Dave. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know... It's it's interesting. I mean, Heyman's got a history with, with with being a part of WWE creative. He was, you know, a lead writer for SmackDown, um, you know, for 2002, 2003. You know, right at the right in the early stages of the brand extension, and you know, there were a lot of positive things he did, um, at least for that show. Um, you know, he 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 came up with the idea for the team angle with Charlie, you know, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, the rise of Brock Lesnar, you know, Kurt Angle, even, even the, the early stages of, of John Cena. Um, you know, I mean, he did a lot of good stuff. Um, and, and he uses, and he takes guys, his biggest gift in wrestling has been publicized. It's been talked about. He takes guys that, you wouldn't necessarily think it are superstars. He accentuates their positives. He camouflages their negatives, and you see them in a more positive light, and it makes them look better on television, and it makes them believable to possibly be a star. Um, you know, that's what he does. He's, he's, in my opinion, he's the he's the under he's the underdog's creative underdog wrestler's creative writer. Um, you know, Coulter, Dutch Mantel. He's been you know he's got a history in. Uh, you know, being a part of the creative process with other promotions, he he wrote some of the early uh, you know years of uh, TNA wrestling, and you know got you know some guys like AJ Styles some exposure, and you know guys like Samoa Joe and and and, and stuff like that, and uh, you know he's he's done really well for himself over his career. So I'm all for if the two of them were to you know have a full time position on that on you know. In creative, however, it's a very you know I don't think at that, that stage in both their careers that they want to be a part of that process, the full time process, because it is a very demanding uh, you know job. As I you know mentioned in the news report, somebody's leaving in the fall because it's you know a, a, a very high demand um, to be one of the creative writers of the WWE. Uh, but I'm all for it if they do it. You're not going to get any complaints from me. Definitely good stuff. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We're talking pro wrestling, the best in pro wrestling talk. We're gonna head right back out to the phone. There we got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Hey guys, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? At first, I'm good. Good. Uh, you were out and about this weekend, huh, Ken? I I read uh, I read everything that you had to write this weekend about the matches. I actually saw some pictures and stuff of X Pac. Was it was it X, was it X Pac beating up? Um, was he beating up Terry Funk? Is that was that correct? Yes, he did. He came down and uh, 
Terry Funk got himself involved, and then uh, Lance Storm and him had a confrontation, and then X-Pac showed up, and uh, X-Pac and Lance Storm uh, beat on Terry Funk for a little while until Dreamer was able to, to get up and, and help the Funker. But uh, Funker's turning 69 next week, and uh, he's still still getting himself physically involved in, in the ring. Uh it's just uh, it was good to see him out there. It was a great show, man. And Lance Storm, that guy is just in phenomenal shape. So it was great to to see him out there again. But uh, yeah, that was Xbox. I like I, I I always like Lance Storm, and I always respected the hell out of Lance Storm. Um, last year when he wrestled for for ROH, I thought he had a great match with Mike Bennett. Um, you know, to another phenomenal wrestler. But Lance Storm, what can you say about a guy that uh, that that is what it is, right? I guess last night was e- we were at ECPW, the Fat Boys representing. Now everybody talks about when you when you watch wrestling and and, and, and you know who you know wh- who would you like to see or or what would happen or let's just say this is your WrestleMania moment. Last night the Fat Boys were taking on Andrew Anderson. And a wrestler by the name of Mr. Thursday Night. The um, the match ended when Mr. Anderson's partner, Mr. Thursday Night, decides to pin Magic's feet on the ropes. Now I'm yelling at the referee. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the bell rings. Who comes out to tell the referee, "Hey, he's got his foot on the ropes"? Gene Snitsky. Gene Snitsky tells Andrew Anderson, "It's not my fault." That you cheated. Well, when he said it's not my fault that you cheated, the fans popped because you know, as Gene Snitsky's motto was, it's not my, wasn't my fault. So my WrestleMania moment came last night when Gene Snitsky came out and basically helped us out. And uh, and, and again, and then I and then I got to meet well meet again the ECW zombie was in the house last night. So just just tremendous just tremendous uh, night for the Fat Boys and. Uh, when they restarted the match, the Fat Boys won. So, another win for us. Very cool. Like a great moment. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I mean, anytime you have a guy like Snifsky, who I didn't even realize. I mean, I knew he was going to be there, but I didn't know what he was going to be doing. Then, then when the bell rang and, and he came out to tell the, the referee, everybody looked at him like, are you serious? This is Snifsky. This is the guy that, that uh, punted a baby. <laughs> And he comes out with a baby, and that's another thing. He comes out with a baby. He really? He brings, yeah, he brings a baby out to the ring. <laughs> and he's tall. He's he's really tall. He's a great guy, great wrestler. I love. I, I that's why we love this business because you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Great are business. you guys gonna Are you guys gonna read Lex Luger's book? I mean, I don't know. I didn't know he had a book coming out. Lex Luger has a book coming out in August. That's probably, I mean, it, he's done a lot in the wrestling business. I'm sure. It's, I'm, I'm sure he's got some some interesting stuff to to discuss. I, I mean, I'm not going to go out and buy it just you know for this you know for the sake of buying it because it's a wrestler's book. If I hear something good about it, I'll 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 probably pick it up. Yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, it's like you said. I mean, he's a, a guy who probably has uh, a lot of stories. It is something that I think I'd uh, I'd probably uh, read some reviews first because uh, I'd, I'd want it to be kind of in depth and really, uh, you know, 
you know, really get behind the scenes as far as his career. If he glosses over some stuff, then I don't know if I'll pick it up. But, uh, you know, a guy that's uh, done a lot in the business. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I love reading. I mean, that's, you know, right now, I, those are my favorite books to read is, is wrestling autobiographies because they're just – they're so interesting, and and the, the and, role. Of- and you never know, and you never know the backstories on some of these, some of these wrestlers, like who's friends with who, or or how come this guy didn't like that guy, or what happened, or or how come Hacksaw Jim Duggan doesn't like Doink the Clown? I mean, stuff like that. I mean, I'm curious to read about Lex Luger. Um, you know, I mean, Lex Luger to me was like I said, we talked about Luger before. I always thought Lex Luger was very. I don't know. Every I thought he was over big, big time, overrated to me. I mean, he had the power slams. He had the he had the he, you know he had the the, fly, the flying forearm or whatever. He put you up in the rack. You know, Hulk Hogan used to call him Flexi Lexi. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, he used to flex. I mean, it was pretty funny. But the guy, you know, take nothing away. He was a wrestler's wrestler. He went out there and he did his thing. And um, also, he was a football player before that. But that's the way. That's the way. Um, that's the way the wrestlers are. George Animal Steel has a book out too, and I gotta get that. So I'm gonna get those those wrestling books and keep myself busy. Do us a favor, Mike. Hold on, hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Do us a favor. Why yeah. don't you read the books? Why don't you read the books, and then you can give us a little review on the show, and then maybe that we'll decide if you know Ken and I will decide if we go out and pick up the book. How about that? We'll give you a little Ken Reedy show homework assignment. What do you think about oh. that? I think it's good. I think that's good, Dave. Oh no, I was just going to break in with a with a funny story. I found out I found out what happened with Mark Henry's jacket and where the jacket came from. Oh, I'd love to hear this. Go ahead. Yeah, go Bob, ahead. Bob, Bob Arian, Bob <laughs> Arian, he told Mark Henry and put the he gave Mark Henry the jacket. He told Mark Henry, "This is the jacket that made Bob Arian. So I'm going to give it to you to retire him." First of all, I didn't know Bob Arian was that big to fit in that jacket. How's that even possible? You know, Bob Arian used to weigh about 400 pounds when I met him. Really? Oh, yeah. Is it a true story or are you just, like, cracking on him? Oh, no, no, no. No, true story. Bob Arian used to weigh 400 pounds. No, true story. And then Bob Arian, just one day, it all just went away. <laughs> no, I, 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 I get it. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. It just went away. It just, it just poof. It went away. It's like you know. It's like, it's like his CIA fantasies. You know, Bob Arian, CIA, Mr. CIA. Yeah. Okay. But other than, other than that, guys, it was, it was a great. Hey Ken, how, so how was hardcore? Um, how was the hardcore show last night? How's the hardcore? Uh, it's tremendous. I mean, Tommy Dreamer gets it. He, he knows how to put on a show. Uh. You know, good mix. Uh, there's some comedy. I mean, you know, look, when you think you've seen it all, then you go out to House of Hardcore and, and you see the Sandman do the Fandango. So, you know, I, I have it all. So, you know, that ha- that happened. That happened in the beginning of the show. Uh, they did a uh, Harlem Shake uh, moment with... Uh, Guido, the Blue Meanie, and Sandman, where they they broke into a dance during right <laughs> the match, doing the uh, Harlem Shake. 
So uh, there was that. That's funny. The- That's funny. I, I, I love uh, I love Little Guido. I I think he's a tremendous another tremendous uh, product. Hey, you guys gave me the homework on the books. All right. Okay, now I got another homework. Are you guys gonna watch Wife Swap or Ric Flair and and, uh, and and Rowdy Piper? I heard. I got. When is that airing? Because I, I I heard about it and I've been waiting to hear an air date. But do you know when it's airing? I think it's. Uh, I, think it's I think I heard uh, June thirtieth. Yeah, next Sunday. Next Sunday? So, yeah, that, yeah. that's definitely the DVRs for uh, that wife swap. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, listen, we've seen, we've seen them wrestle. We've, we've heard stories of, of them in the, each other's books. We've seen DVDs of them. Now we're going to see them wife swap. That should be interesting. Very. Poor kitty. I hope she doesn't get shot by Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Oh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, Michelle DG, baby. You know, for listening. You know, another another great diva in the business. I love it. I love the picture of her and Paul London. I love it. Well, uh, I'm gonna let you guys do your business, and I'll see you guys. I'll speak to you guys on Tuesday. Well, for the call, Mike. Take it easy. All right, thank you. Very- that would be cool. Get him reading the book. We have a a, a review um, before I go out and buy it. <laughs> It's really purely yeah. selfish. Like I just want to know if it's any good before uh, I pick I'm it up. I'm paying but... 18 bucks for the book to suck. All right, and I'll let somebody else do it for me. You're <laughs> saying yeah, HOH was great. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, like, I can't recommend enough to to go out there and pick up some tickets uh, when HOH three is released. Uh, just good stuff, and you know it was cool uh, when Michelle first started watching wrestling. Uh, London and Kendrick were her favorite tag team, so uh, it was kind of a cool moment for. Our producer Michelle to get to meet London, uh, uh, but those guys, man. I, I mean, when you talk pro wrestling, you talk tag team wrestling. They could put London and Kendrick uh, versus the Young Bucks on every week, and it would still be must see TV. Those two guys, those two teams, it, it's tremendous what those those two teams can do in the ring. And uh, when the four of them, and it was cool. We talked to London afterwards, and. Uh, you know, complimented him on the match, and he said uh, there were five guys in there working their ass off. I was just part of it, and I'm thinking one, two, three. And then he, he's the referee, and he gave the referee props as far as uh, helping him call the match and everything. So I thought that was cool that he kind of acknowledged the ref. He said when you know when it comes to one of our matches, the ref has a lot to do with uh, how the match goes, and, and he did a tremendous job. So it was, it was kind of cool him giving uh, props to the the ref, but. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous matchup. Uh, great show. So check out House of Hardcore 3 when it comes around. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to head back out to the phones. Holding for a while, we got Justin on the line. How you doing today, Justin? Hi, Cam. Missed you. Missed you. Thank you for supporting and calling in and being a part of the show. And did you watch the Monday Night Raw? Yes, I did, sir. Did you like the Monday Night Raw? Oh, yeah, I love it. Let me ask you something. At the end of Monday Night Raw, you saw CM Punk and Brock Lesnar stare each other down in the ring, and then Brock Lesnar proceeds to give one CM Punk an F5, planting him in the center of the ring. I got to get your take on this, Justin. What did you think of that moment at the end of Monday Night Raw? I need need that hurt. (laughs) You're funny. Actually, you know what? We sit here 
we analyze, we overanalyze, we pick apart storylines and moments and everything. And, and Justin, you just you kind of cut through all the BS. You're like, it hurt. And I would agree with you there. I bet when when CM Punk hit the middle of the ring uh, after the F5, that probably hurt a lot. Uh, what do you think about going forward? Uh, with CM Punk uh, perhaps battling uh, Brock Lesnar. I hope he wins. You want, you want Punk to win? Oh, yeah. Do you think it would be better if they do at short term and have CM Punk wrestle Brock Lesnar at Money in the Bank, or do you think they should build it and have kind of a slow burn with the storyline and wait till SummerSlam? Wait till SummerSlam. SummerSlam, why? Oh, it's a good, good pay per view. You think it'll be a good pay per view? You betcha. Also, Monday night uh, strike you, Justin, or smack? You. Oh yeah. What yeah. What'd you like this week? What about um, about Agent Christian, for instance? Well, Christian came back this week. Were you excited to see Christian? Yeah. What about Agent Christian, my, my favorite pals? Uh, yeah, they're they're very close pals. I'm curious, you, you know, you had uh, the Shield jump Christian. Um, what what do you think of that? And you think that uh, Christian perhaps should go after Dean Ambrose and uh, pursue the U.S. title? What do you think of that? Well, that'd be great. You're really giving us the one word answers tonight, aren't you? Oh yeah, Ken. Justin, I love when you call. You just you, you kind of you, you make the world a happier place when when you call in. Thanks a lot for being a a part of the show. Anything you'd like to say to uh, Dave or, or myself before we let you go? Sure. Tell Dave he's like he's like a king. A king? What kind? You know that's interesting. What kind of king is Dave like? He's like a king of the world. King of the world. Oh wow. yeah. Wow, I, I'm flattered. Thank you, John. <laughs> Justin is up. Who's my so who's my queen, Justin? Uh, I think Ken should be the the prince. I should oh, be the prince. Oh, thank God! I thought he was going to say he was going to be the queen. <laughs> I think it, I think it'll be um, AJ. Hey, lady. Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Yes, I can, I get I can, I can accept her as my queen. I hope so. That's kind of cool. Developing wrestling royalty here. Your bet, Ken. Sounds good. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot for the phone call. We'll talk to you. We're taking some time off. We'll talk to you a week from Tuesday. How's that sound? Sure. I'm going to miss you, Ken. Have a good vacation, man. Thank you very much. And you have a good uh, week and a half or so. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, man. Sure, Ken. Ah, Justin. Love when he calls makes the world a happier face. Let's stick with the phones and call. Are you there? Yo, who's this? <laughs> Who is you, this? The show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Who's this? Oh, oh, it's the Prince. What are you wearing, purple? <laughs> Why don't you get up and do some dances for us being your Prince? <laughs> I'm sitting out here in Nevada and you know what? I'm tired of hearing all of this. Ken Reedy this, Ken Reedy that. Uh, you know, where's Dave? I want to talk to the king. 
I'm I'm right here, my brother. How you doing? You know who this is. Oh, I do. I uh, trust because, me, I do. Let, it's wait, been a let, long time. Let, let, let me announce it because Ken won't do it the right way. Uh, I okay. am Bob Arian. <laughs> and I got an issue. I got Mike, the sign guy, calling in, giving away government secrets. First of all, you can't allow that. Uh, was I 400 pounds once? No, he's wrong. I was 370. But a government project brought me down to 210 in a week. Okay, Ken, maybe you should stop spending time at Premier Fitness or whatever the name of that is and stop trying to be like Bob Arian because I know you're telling people you're Bob Arian. You need to stop it. Yeah, I do. I, you know, oh, you did you hang up on me already? No, he's still, he's still there, Bob. I'm okay, here. Yeah, I know. He, he's kind of flattered with my phone call tonight because I've been sitting out here. You know I'm activated. And I'm saving the world one inch at a time. And I just had to call in tonight and, and just say hello. And when I heard you were the king now, Dave, I, I just had to call in and give you some props on that. Well, thank you very much, Bob. It's it's uh, it's always nice to hear from you. It's been a long time since we spoke, and I'm glad that uh, you called in. I'm glad you're doing well, too. And, and you cleared that rumor up about uh, the, 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 the weight loss issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, I just wanted to touch base with you guys. I know, you know, me and Ken still have our differences, but the show is doing great. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out here in Nevada where I am, uh, they sit, they listen, they laugh. And, uh, you know, you are entertaining people, and I want you to keep on doing it. And, uh, you know, I'm in Jersey maybe one day a month. I was at the last BWO show. I just want to give a shout-out to Preacher from BWO, even though, his ownership and what he's doing with BWO, I have no clue. It seems when you take over that company, you'll lose your mind. Uh, you know, look at what Glenn Ulrich did. But uh, Preacher did make his ROH uh, debut this weekend in Baltimore, and actually Steve's down there also. And, uh, you know, no debut yet, but uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Preacher. And uh, even though we have our differences now, that uh, I want to wish him luck, and uh, hopefully he can catch on with ROH. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's great that he's uh, down there with uh, ROH, and uh, you know it's great. You know, how are things going? Like, are we all safe? I mean, I know you're out there keeping the world safe. I mean, is it time to move to the underground bunkers, or are we? Uh, is the world in, in a good state? Uh, I, I think right. I think right now we're, we're we're fine. You know, we got July Fourth coming up, and uh, we got to do what we can to keep everybody safe there. But I'm going to tell you that the warning, Ken, is when you see me running then you better run. That sounds good. So I just want, I know you guys got a busy schedule here. I just wanted to call in, say hello, give my shout out, and thank Mike for blowing a government uh, classified secret. And I wonder, I had, you know, listen to the show. I had to call in and say hello to the King Dave and the Prince, who I know he's probably dancing and wearing his purple shirt, whatever, and send a shout out to Missy G for me because, you know, you guys do a good job. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the call. All the best, man. Thank okay, you, Bob. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, and then, you know, again, you never know what direction this show is going to go. And Bob Aaron, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, out there at Area 51, keeping the world safe. And I, I got to agree, you know, when it comes to Bob Aaron, if, if I see him running away from something, that's, I'm not even going to look at what he's running away from. I, I think it's just you, you just start running um, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We kind of 
We've been all over the the map uh, tonight. Uh, lots of stuff in the world of pro wrestling. One of the things that uh, kind of hit the internet like wildfire uh, this week. Uh, interesting moment uh, with Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton. Uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, wound up being in a match with Orton, called the match due to injury, uh, and then there was a confrontation backstage with one Triple H uh, from over here, and eventually uh, cooler heads prevailed. Uh, but uh, and now it seems like something that at least uh, for a little, little bit of time, maybe just momentarily, they've used it as a, a storyline. But uh, interesting series of events, Dave, this week with uh, Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Yeah, um, you know, watching it Monday night, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Um, I kind of figured it was, you know, they've they've been, you know, real concussion heavy as far as, you know, um, guys getting hurt and, you know, also exploiting it and using it for storyline. So I thought it was for storyline, um, even to the point where on Monday night they uh, they promoted the, you know, the app like they normally do and mentioned the Triple H. Um, and Daniel Bryan had a, a, a verbal confrontation but from what i understand it was pretty legit and it was something that daniel bryan was pretty upset about and it was not a storyline um but they covered it up pretty well and now they're going forward with it um i don't think we'll see anything much further than that other than uh you know what we what we've heard um but it's possible that you know once eventually this mcmahon's power struggle storyline ends um because from what I'm hearing, the storyline is that, you know, Triple H will take over um, and have power and control over Vince, um, that maybe he'll, you know, be somewhat of an authority figure on television again, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll see him cross paths with Daniel Bryan at some point, you know. Um, who knows? But uh, it was actually pretty interesting that, uh, you know, from what, from some accounts that were that I've read online was that uh, a lot of people were really surprised that Bryan had, allegedly stood up to Triple H and he was very upset that it was made that the call was made to uh to, to stop the match. But um he understood at the same time too from from uh from what I've read, you know, the, the severity of uh injuries and concussions and the way the business has changed. Um so uh yeah, I mean it was it was it was an interesting uh interesting uh development of news this week between the two of them and uh i don't think we'll see anything much further uh than that but you know down the road maybe yeah i mean it was interesting uh you know i got no problem with the you know triple h stopped the match i mean i know that there's reports that uh you know daniel bryan was saying i know my body and uh, i knew i wasn't hurt but like you're saying with concussions and if you're experiencing numbness i mean i'm sorry but you know, you you just you just call it and err on the side of caution, and you know it is what it is. But it, you know, it's it's a multi-billion-dollar company, and uh, you know, someone having numbness, you have no idea what it is. And Daniel Bryan, you know, thank God that it wasn't anything. But uh, you know, you, you stop the match. It was the right thing to do. I don't think there's any question about that. But I get it. You know, you're a competitor and you want to keep going. And uh, I get the passion that Daniel Bryan has for the business, and uh, that's probably why he flew off the handle. But, you know, hitting himself that hard and, uh, you know, experiencing numbness or whatever was going on. I mean, and and the thing is with him, whether it was concussion or concussion-like symptoms, uh, or as we're hearing reports that it was a stinger, so there's probably some numbness. I mean, he didn't look right. 
you know, watching him on TV, there was just something, you know, it wasn't like, was it a pained expression? Was it, you know, something, uh, you know, what was going on with him? But there was just something about what he was doing and how he was performing that just wasn't right. And, you know, I, I don't wrestle. I'm I'm not, you know, I do this show. Uh, I, I don't wrestle for a living. I don't get in the ring. So I'm not going to pretend to understand exactly what uh, these guys go through. Uh, Triple H has been. He's He's been in the ring. So, I mean, for me to be watching on TV saying, you know, something just doesn't look right about him, uh, you know, Triple H has got far more experience of being in the ring, being hit, flying out of the ring, and being injured that, uh, you know, he made the right call uh, stopping the match. But uh, interesting how I thought they used it effectively uh, coming out and, uh, you know, the way Daniel Bryan came out on SmackDown, uh, I thought that was, was well done, and uh, we'll see how they go moving forward with him and Randy Orton. Uh, interesting stuff right there. 347-838-9815. And you know what? We've reached that portion in our program. You know what time it is. The Ken Reading Show, not approval. Was there any doubt? Was there any doubt that this week's nod of approval, and we do this each and every week, something in the world of wrestling, we watched, we enjoyed, we sat back on that couch, we nodded to ourselves, we've talked about it a bunch of times, it warrants more talking because 
We we talked about it in, in a historical context. It was just that good. And last week, we were here on this show, and we're talking, wow, everything Daniel Bryan's doing is so amazing. Each and every night he's out there, he's wowing everybody. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to make him ineligible for the nod of approval because he's blowing everyone away with everything he's doing. And lo and behold, Mark Henry comes out and says, "No, no, 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 no! Stop right there because I'm gonna top everybody with a kick-ass promo, getting him the nod of approval this week. There is no way anything else is gonna get the nod. It is a collective nod." For Dave and myself, not enough good things to say about this. Uh, it was just a tremendous job. The WWE creative, Mark Henry, if, if Heyman and Zeb Coulter were involved, whoever was involved in creating this segment uh, with Mark Henry needs to be commended. It was one of the greatest segments I've ever seen. It was dramatic. It was entertaining. Uh, he took us on an emotional journey. Not enough great things to say about this moment, Dave. Yeah, um, we all bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I, I mean, it was, you know, we talked about it Tuesday. You know, there were certain points where it made you question whether it was legit, you know, if it was legitimate, you know, retirement or if this was part of a storyline. Um, when he started crying and uh, he brought up his family and, uh, you know, he had a different demeanor about him. He wasn't, you know, it didn't look like he was playing a character, like his world's strongest man character. You know, he looked like he was, you know, the, the the person Mark Henry, you know, and it was we've seen retirement speeches before, and it, it kind of you know drifted along the same lines of past retirement speeches, you know, from like Edge and Ric Flair and stuff like that. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I bought it, and I and I loved it. I loved the fact that I bought it because I felt like a kid again. I was I felt like I was watching on Saturday morning in my underwear at ten o'clock in the morning, and then I got you know I I got duped by somebody, and I'm like, oh my god, what just happened? Like. But I jumped up, and I was, like, excited. I was like, that's what it's all about right there. That's what wrestling needs to be like, in my opinion. Unpredictability. You don't know where it's coming from. And it it, it creates a lot of drama and leaves a lot of questions open as to why it happened. And I thought it was perfect. I thought it was well done. And from what I read, and I don't know how true this is, but from what I read, very few select people knew about that, Um, with the exception of John Cena, Vince McMahon, Mark Henry, and whoever wrote that segment. Um you know, I've heard that most of the boys in the back, um, in the locker room, did not know that that was going to take place. You know, un- like that they they thought it was a legitimate, you know, retirement. Like you even saw, like you know, leading up to it, you know, D- Darren Young from the Primetime Players was crying, um, visibly upset in the backstage area that you know this that Mark Mark Henry was leaving. Um, so it was it was well done, and uh, you know, it's got me more interested in. And uh, I mean, I've always liked I've always liked Mark Henry in recent years. In the past couple of years, when he's, you know, when he started this Hall of Pain thing and he had the run with the world title, um, and I've always been very interested in him. But now even more, I think that I think he's close. Like you said on Tuesday, Ken, I think he's close to retirement. Um, and I think this is one last big run for him, and to uh, you know to make some good money with the top dog in the company, John Cena. And to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind seeing him have a have a short run with the title, um, you know, to, to to kind of reward him for all the work that he is uh, that, that he's done in the WWE. Oh, without question. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him have a run. Um, you know, it's uh, everything involving this was just tremendous, and I've been a big fan of his uh, 
as of late. And and it's cool, you know, you don't see it often, especially in athletics where uh you know, and someone does their best work uh later on and, and he has. He's improved over time. His character now is, is amazing. Uh his promos are great. Um you know, it's just everything and, and you know and we've talked about it here a lot, you know, as as one of the worst things to happen to pro wrestling is uh, the admission of it being sports entertainment, the admission of it being scripted, and you, you just that that shock value is not there anymore. That uh, emotional journey is not there as much anymore because you you kind of know what's going to happen. You can there are spoilers out there, you know, all that other stuff that you just you know stuff scripted, and uh, you know this kind of pulled us out of that for a little bit, thinking that it's not scripted, and then it turns out to be a work. So. Uh, Tremendous job. It is a, a great moment. It would be something that um, I, I'd have to really pull myself back as far as what Dank called in and asked about uh, perspective and, and historical perspective. Um, but, you know, when I when I think of it, it's interesting. So when I think in terms of, like, the pipe bomb, I see him punk. I mean, I put this right there with it. I, I do. I think it's just it's right there with uh, that promo. It just it was that good. It was one of those moments that uh, – you know, I think you're going to remember for a while, and it's something that's going to, um, you know, I don't want to say define Mark Henry's career, but it's going to have a lot to do with defining your thoughts of him, especially on his way out, if this is, in fact, uh, uh, towards the end of the road. But I, I'm hoping, you know, that they give him a shot. I would I would like to see him uh, beat John Cena and have a, a short title run or a long title run, but I'd like to see what he does with it. Uh, Mark Henry as the WWE champ uh, would be kind of cool. So uh, kudos again. It's Mark Henry, but everyone creatively that was involved in, in making this moment and putting this moment together deserves a, a share of the credit. So everyone involved in the Mark Henry segment on Monday Night Raw from Dave and myself, they get our nod of approval. The Ken Reedy Show, not over the rules. Oh, there you have it, man. Yeah, it's funny, Dave. I mean, we've had like two weeks in a row with our nods that really just uh, over-the-top positivity, which is... Uh, you know, it's cool to be a wrestling fan. I mean, we do this show every week, and, and we, we... You know, we try to be objective here. Uh but to be honest with you, Dave, like I, you know, sometimes we got to be critical of things when things aren't working. But I'd much rather talk about the stuff that I'm really enjoying, and uh, you know, not enough positive things to say about Daniel Bryan and Mark Henry this week, and uh, getting to talk about Raw firing on all cylinders and a, and a great, you know, perhaps historically great uh, Monday Night Raw, and just enjoying the the young talent and enjoying the storylines and the mid card and everything going on. I'm really enjoying being able to sit back here and talk with you and, and our listeners, our callers calling in and getting to talk about positive stuff and, and good stuff, great stuff. It's it's a good time right now being a wrestling fan, Dave. Absolutely. I think, you know, and you and I have spoken in discussion about this and, you know, off the air in private and, you know, to our listeners, you know, we try to make this show um we try to make it fun, obviously, you know, and something that, you know, you would want to listen to. But we also try to be different than a lot of other, you know, uh, entities out there. There's a lot of people out there with podcasts, wrestling, you know, related podcasts. 
And for the most part, uh, you know, with all due respect to, 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 to those individuals that have those podcasts out there, there's a lot of negativity. It's a lot of bashing, you know. And you watch the product, and then you go on your your show, and you just totally rip it. And you you talk about how you hate it, yet you still watch it. But it's the reason why you do one of them podcasts. We try not to do that here. There's times when you have to be critical. There's times when you know I have to be honest, and you know I mean I'm I'm honest all the time. But there's times when I have to be brutally honest about you know certain things that I did, didn't like um, that I just that just didn't jive with me that you know came across you know the a television, in particular episode of, you know, Raw or SmackDown or Impact and, you know, and, and, and get, voice my opinion on it. Um, but I, I enjoy doing this and it's it's fun that we're getting to talk positively and there's other, you know, our listeners can be involved and, you know, we can brainstorm and, you know, banter and go back and forth, bounce off each other about different ideas of what they could do. But overall, it's been pretty positive lately and I, I, I like it a lot and I think that's what makes our show stand out from, uh, from others to say, you know, we're not here to bash the product. We're here to, you know, give a uh, a, a comprehensive, uh, you know, recap at the same time. Opinions, fair, you know, you know, nothing biased and nothing, you know, too critical. Unlike uh, other uh, other podcasts out there. I never understood that because why? I, I'd much. I mean, honestly, I'd much rather, as a fan, be content and happy and entertained and then come out and talk about being content and happy and entertained. Again, we, we're fair here. So if something's not working, we're going to discuss about not working. But if I had my choice, obviously, if I had my choice as a fan, I'd rather Raw kicks ass every week than it be a, a three-hour dirge. I mean, it's I, I don't... Sometimes I think some some guys like to watch. Uh, they're almost hoping for something to be bad. They're hoping for a match to suck so they can uh, rip it apart. I mean, I I, I just I, I'm hoping that this is a, a sign of things to come. I mean, I think that we've been moving in a very positive direction. Uh, I like the youth movement that we're we're seeing. Um, you know, I think I think it's been really good. I think Raw and SmackDown have been. Uh, Really solid. So, uh, you know, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff uh, coming down the pike. And it was good being able to talk a little uh, a little indie with FWE and HOH and, again, uh, positive stuff. So I'd much rather that. I mean, ultimately, you know, we do this show and we're we're talk show hosts and that's what we're doing here. But we're, we're ultimately fans. So I, I, you know, I'd rather the shows be good. Uh, then not be. I mean, that's just the way it is, and it's been fun being able to sit here and talk with you guys about uh, positive stuff. We're getting close to the end. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Again, we're going to be off for about 10 days, so uh, we'll be back a week from Tuesday doing our next show, talking uh, wrestling. Obviously, I have a lot to talk about going into our next show. Uh, quickly, Dave, uh, where do you think they go with uh, Punk and Lesnar going forward? SummerSlam. I, I SummerSlam, big money match. They want that's their second biggest pay per view of the year. Rock Lesnar helped draw, you know, a, a large portion of the buy race last year. I think it'll be SummerSlam um, between the two, and I don't think we're going to see right away this Heyman Punk split. Um, I think it's going to burn out for a little while, um, and uh, it should be. It, you know, it's it's more believable that Brock Lesnar is the monster heel and CM Punk is the baby face just by the size alone because Brock Lesnar is just basically a big giant bully. And if you were to make him a baby face, that means you got to get rid of Heyman and Brock Lesnar can't talk to save his life. Thank God he didn't talk in the microphone on Monday night. Um, but I see a potentially good 
feud between two guys who can go in the ring, and of course you had Heyman on the microphone, and uh, it should be it should be damn good, you know. And SummerSlam, biggest, second biggest pay per view of the year, a big money match that a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time, and the two of them have kind of been separated from each other, despite the fact they've both been Paul Heyman's clients. It's, it was bound to happen at some point. I'm glad it's going to happen at SummerSlam. At least that's as far as from what I'm reading. Yeah, it's going to be tremendous. And I'm, I'm curious to see how everything unfolds, how things unfold with uh, Heyman and Punk. Uh, looks like it could be a really interesting run and, and getting very excited for a, a great summer of wrestling. And, and tuning in. Uh, we'll miss you guys. Uh, if you you want to, you need your Ken Reedy show fix, uh, go over to the website or blog talk radio and, uh, you can check out some archive shows. Uh, when we come back, I'd love to see you guys post on the Facebook the burning question. Where do they go moving forward with Ryback? Where does that character go? Unsuccessful in capturing that WWE title. Where exactly do they go with that character? We're going to have to delve into that, discuss that. Hopefully, in the upcoming week, we'll get some answers as far as where they're going with the Ryback character. But uh, what do you guys think? Post on Facebook. It's vacation time, so it's been a great, great uh, time. Looking forward to some time off. We'll miss doing this, and uh, we'll be back uh, a week from Tuesday. So it was a great show tonight. Calling in and supporting us. For Dave, I am Ken. Everyone be safe. Have a great 4th of July, and take care, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.